Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here and welcome to episode 176 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being here this week and thanks for tuning in to the show. Now, if you're tuning in to hear part three of the Chain Reaction Belfast Race Team series, don't worry, it will be with us over the next couple of weeks or whatever. We just couldn't get schedules lined up and free time to get it recorded, but it will be coming to you very soon, so keep an eye or an ear out for that one. So this week's show really comes about from a listener to the podcast, and he asked me a simple question when he looked at one of my posts why I hadn't really got anybody on from the fat bike world and chatted about fat bikes. Um, So this podcast is really dedicated to him and I reached back to him. I said, look, well, I'm sorry, but I don't really know much about fat bikes. Who should I speak to? Who would you advise I get on the podcast? And the one name he came back to me with was Richard Hurst. So I reached out to Richard and Richard was kind enough to come on to the show, tell us more about fat bikes and the scene that kind of goes unnoticed, to be honest. Now, Richard has his own YouTube channel called Digging About and, you know, the man's a wealth of information. We chat to him about how fat bikes have changed over the years, why he has basically put away his normal full suspension mountain bike and swapped it out for a fat bike, how he get into all that kind of thing and how he finds his riding is slightly different but he loves it. He gets so much fun from it, he really enjoys it and 9 out of 10 times he'll take the fat bike out over his normal kind of trail enduro type full suspension ride. So we chat to Richard about all that. We chat to him about if you're looking for a fat bike what kind of price you should be looking at, what kind of setup you should be going for, all the different kinds of tyres and geometries and stuff like that. So we get into it in a wee bit more detail. And Richard also kind of sells us on the idea of why we should definitely give fat bikes a try. Now, I must admit, he's kind of sold me on the idea. They sound awesome. They sound a lot of fun. So I'll stop talking. I'll let Richard come on the show He can explain it much, much better than me. So without further ado, let's get Richard on the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things with you today, sir? Very good. Thanks so much for having me on, Gareth. It's an absolute pleasure, dude. It's a pleasure. And listen, before we start, I have to just say a big thank you to Alan Coulter, who got basically set this up in a roundabout way with us right he, he wanted he wanted a fat bike podcast and he said you were the man to contact so i reached out and you were kind enough for coming on so uh thanks for that richard and i appreciate i appreciate that you spending the time to come on the show hey it's my pleasure and uh, i am slightly aware of uh, i've actually got to try and talk some sense which is a lot, a lot more pressure than i was expecting but uh, well, i'll give it a go <laughs> Well, you know, a bit of fun never hurts, especially these times. It never hurts anybody, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. Cool. Well, we'll be chatting about fat bikes because you run a YouTube channel and um, 
we'll get into that the youtube side of things a little bit later it's a very very cool channel man i really like what you're doing with it um so we'll get into that i want to chat to you about that for sure but we'll mainly be chatting about fat bikes and and what they are and why somebody should buy one and prices all that kind of thing we'll get into it i'm a bit of a fat bike newbie so you'll need to you'll need to maybe try and convince me a bit Look, look, just, just honestly, Gareth, just get your, get your credit card details out now because by the end of this hour, you're just going to phone up and buy one. So, you know, just just, just, just give into it, mate. <laughs> cool. Now, Richard, I want to know a little bit about you and your background and how you get into mountain biking. So how did that whole scene start for you? Because you weren't always in riding fat bikes, right? No, I wasn't. And to be honest, as a kid, um, I, I had a road bike for a while, but I wasn't really a cyclist. I, I grew up in, in Hong Kong and Singapore, and uh, there's a lot of concrete there. I sort of, at six years old, was playing football on a concrete football pitch. So so I wasn't really a cyclist. Um, I used to play lots of other sports. And then as I became more and more doddery, my body started breaking down and uh, on me. I had a, a, a prolapsed disc in my back, which made sports like tennis and golf, that twisting almost impossible. And a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine said, hey, why don't we go and get you a mountain bike? Um, and that was, I was 35 and, and I said, okay, let's go for it. And it was a, it was a Gary Fisher bike, I think. Um, wow. Wasn't a lot of money, um, but it was, it was a couple of things. One, I, I, people don't quite realize it when you've got a bad back and, and bad knees. Even if you're really flying through the trees, um, you're always square on a bike. You're never moving your shoulders or your torso, twisting it independent of your hips. So you can you can be going down an incredibly um, wavy trail, but actually always fundamentally. Um, and as soon as I sort of cottoned onto that, I thought, God, mountain biking's for me. You know, you've got all the fun, the camaraderie of being out with your mates. Um, but at the end of the ride, I'm not sort of like a, a curled heap of back pain. So that was great. I, I started loving mountain biking. Um, I got a full sus mountain bike, sort of an all mountain bike. Um, went over to Morzine. Um, I, I must, must stress, I have no skills whatsoever. Um, most of the time, if I'm going fast, it's because I'm not good enough to actually slow down and, and take on a trail feature. Um, <laughs> my 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 bravery absolutely overtakes my my level of competence um so a couple of years ago i just i saw an advert for a fat bike um and i don't i don't ride in an area that's particularly sandy or or there's certainly no snow in surrey um and i i just wanted i bought it because it was a bit different um and i was sort of just just wanted something to be a bit different and i hopped on it it was it was a rigid fat bike i hopped on it and just started grinning from ear to ear. There's something so delightfully ridiculous about a fat bike. Um, and it's quite tough to explain to someone, oh, well, don't, don't you get more power or, you know, through this, that and the other. It's like, yeah, but you just find your smile a bit more when you're on a fat bike. So that kind of got me hooked at that stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's it's one of those things I've always seen them about. You always do notice somebody on, as soon as you see somebody on one, it catches your eye, right? With the big tires and everything. Uh, oh, I'll tell, you, tell you what, if you want to start conversations 
out on the trails, you go past them on a fat bike and it, it's just hilarious. It's, you know, even, even if it's a, a pretty sort of moody walker who wants to sort of wave their stick at you because you're a mountain biker, etc. Um, there's there's something so uh, delightfully silly about the fat bike tire. You know, it really does spark up a lot of pretty nice conversations. Yeah, yeah. Like when you got into it, Richard, when you bought one, was any of your mates riding one? No, no, not at all. I, and I kind to, to be honest, it may sound ridiculous. That's kind of why I wanted one because no one else had one. I've got a regular riding group of sort of seven, eight guys. Um, and, and ironically, you know, a year, a year on, and, and four of them have got fat bikes now. So <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm either just incredibly persuasive. <laughs> I, I, I certainly don't think out it's because I made it look cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more a case of they just saw me grinning from ear to ear and thought we'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. Like, and these things, like they were initially designed to ride in the snow and sand. Was that not how they came about, or do you know the history of the the whole that, design that of the bike? They, they were manufactured originally. It was the snow because any any sort of smaller or narrower tire would just cut through the snow. Whereas if you get a tire over four point zero. Um, you know, it may sound crazy. Anyone listening to this who's sort of, you know, riding on a 2.1 or 2.2 tire, I've got tires that are 4.8. Um, so the, the premise was that that tire run at an incredibly low pressure, you know, down to sort of three, four, five psi, would effectively have such a large footprint that on top of relatively deep snow would actually be able to sort of float across the top of it so mm-hmm. so that was the origin of them um and of course sand had similar properties to the snow so they were then sort of pigeonholed as that um but what i think is interesting is um and, and, and I, I would assume 99 percent of the people listening to this your tires are wider than they were 10 years ago <laughs> you know whatever yeah. we all used to run two points one 2.2s um or, or narrower on our on our mountain bikes you look at the reviews in the magazines now is a 2.6 better than a 2.8 you know and, and generally over the last 10 years tires have got a little bit wider because there's a greater contact with the ground um and once people got over the notion that actually they were very slow or very heavy um my, my full suspension fat bike weighs the same as my Lapierre Zesty or mountain bike wow. so that th- there isn't quite that disparity people used to assume a massive tire meant massive weight uh, um, and it's just not the case anymore yeah like it certainly is interesting and we'll get into the designs and stuff of the bikes later because I, I certainly want to chat to you about that but when you initially bought your fat bike did you think of your local trails like and how it would perform around your trails did you know if you had trails that would suit that kind of bike or anything yeah yeah i mean i i, I ride near near farnham in surrey um it's a lot of sort of single tracks through the woods but we've got quite a few areas where there's a place called french and common where there's lots of sand um so i i thought hey that would be good and to be honest it's hilarious if i if i'm leading a ride which they don't let me do often because my my level of incompetence of leading is is only surpassed by my competence of riding um <laughs> i pick the sandiest trails i can possibly find because the fat bikes slide over the top of it and they're all getting sort of bogged down in in you know sort of a four inch thick uh, sand so so it, it wasn't for that, truth be told, Gareth. And I kind of wasn't expecting to be blown away by it. I wasn't expecting to have it as my 
favorite bike, which which it very quickly became. Um, my Lapierre is, I rode it once in 2020, my Lapierre. It is a fantastic bike. It's a 150mm travel Lapierre Zesty Carbon 827, and I rode it once last year um, because the fat bike is just more fun to ride throughout wow. the summer as well. Wow. And, like, I think the initial thing somebody thinks about when they see a fat bike is, wow, that thing must be hard to pedal with the wide yeah. tires and contact yeah. and everything else like are they like that or they, they they're not and the, and the best thing um i i can sort of explain it is it's like with that much contact with the ground it's like it's dragging you forward if you imagine yourself if you imagine yourself lying face down on a skateboard <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I am going somewhere with this analogy i promise so you're lying <laughs> face down on a skateboard and you put two feet fingers out and you try and pull yourself forward with two fingers and you'll get a certain level of propulsion now use all four of your fingers to hurl yourself forward you know and, and i think there's there's a bit of that with the bigger tire certainly when you're going up a hill i i genuinely feel like that big wide tire is almost dragging you up the hill um the the drag i think what you get back for um, once it starts rolling, it's incredibly quick. And I think the mm. sacrifice to get it up to speed, I, I think it's worth it. Yeah, you know, isn't that weird? Because initially when you look at them, you think, okay, this thing's going to be hard to pedal. It's going to be slow. It looks heavy. You know, I'm, run, I'm running it in my normal trails. What's the point kind of thing? But that's so interesting that the tyre actually works the other way around. It, it, it is, and, and I, I was reading a, a thing last night. I can't remember which magazine it was, and they were they were testing two point you know tires two point three versus two point six versus two point eight. Again, it's not quite a fat fat bike country, but in each of the tests, the the, the, the wider the tire came out as a faster rolling. It came out they were faster downhill. There was the, the narrower tire was slightly faster uphill but it was a very very small amount but there was a significant amount when you're rolling down hills and you've got to remember that you know actually when you've got a much broader fat, uh, footprint there are a lot of trails near me i go riding um around here sort of single track but also bike parks if you have a network of tree routes and one of the, one of the great great things about fat bike is if you're if you're standing above one of these trails and you've got a network of tree roots going down and you think and you think about picking a line well if you're on a fat bike just don't bother just point it wherever you want to go because <laughs> trust me it's going over <laughs> yeah yeah interesting interesting yeah you know, it's you funny you, and you get so you, you sort of you, you then trust the bike and you trust the line and you think i guess i'm going that way and and when you've got a tire like that it, it it doesn't really care what's in front of it and, it and it's it's quite a freeing experience yeah wow wow crazy crazy like when you initially bought one richard or when you were thinking about one did you think it was a bit of a fad did you think this was just a phase did you find it hard to get I, one I, even i, I, I mean I, I bought it because it was a bit of a novelty if truth be told um i think i said before i, I wasn't expecting to love it um now i've sort of delved a bit more into it um you know there, there are, i did a quick count last night there are 41 different brands that i could find last night that produce a fat bike and a lot of them have different models 41 mm. brands 
Wow. You know, people like the, the ones that you would have heard of, Cube, Canyon, Specialized, Trek, Cannondale, um, they all they all offer fat bikes. Um, and it's quite interesting when you think about the fad. And again, I didn't know. I, I sort of thinking thinking about people I follow on Facebook, etc. You know, if you look at fat bike Facebook groups, I, I totaled them up, the ones I'm a member of. There are 72,000 people who are members of fat bike specific Facebook groups. Yeah. Now, now, of course, there's crossover. There's people who will be members of, of all of them, et cetera. But when you think the likes of GMBN have 40,000, fat bikes aren't like a, a tiny sort of segment of 3% of the population. You know, 72,000 people who have joined a group because of them. I'm now sort of beginning to realize they are sort of coming out of that perception mm-hmm. yeah yeah because you did see them i know here you would have seen them they seem to become quite popular and you'd have seen a lot of guys running about on them not necessarily in the trails but around the towns and stuff you'd have seen guys riding them and then they just seem to disappear um but you think there's maybe a bit of a I, I resurgence in them much yeah they were very much pitching holders as a winter bike even now i've I've, guys i follow on on youtube etc etc are now saying oh it's you know when they're in the beautiful setting somewhere in the us or canada oh it's time for the time to bring out the winter bike um and and i think again it's part of the image but a lot of the videos i post on me riding the forest of dean trails or bike park wales etc on my fat bike because do you know what? It's as capable as there is is there as it is anywhere else. Um, um, but you're right. I think I think there's still a there's still a perception. But I I suspect it's from people who haven't ever ridden one, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is mm. fine. Hey, let's spread the love. Yeah, maybe a little bit like the e-bike kind of thing as well. Um, you know, like from an e-bike perspective is it something that could replace that or does it feel like that when you i take it you've been on an e-bike when you initially go on and you pedal it there's that thrust forward that you're not really expecting is the fat bike something like that i think i think the fat bike is is completely akin to a traditional mountain bike because you've got e-fat bikes now um which I'm not 100% convinced by because that with the fat tires whatever else they're looking they're looking dangerously close to just being an electric you know motorbike um mm-hmm. but i mean to be honest I, I kind of i don't know whether it's a generational thing but i kind of love my, my mate's got an e-bike um got nothing bad to say about them if you know um but i kind of like getting that lung busting thing at the top of a hill under your own propulsion and you know no, no, no one on an e-bike unless the battery goes flat will ever have that feeling of being five, six, ten miles from home on a ride with your mates and knowing you are completely done. There is nothing in your legs. But somehow, <laughs> somehow getting home, even if you're having to push down on your knees with your hands just to make the pedals go around, and that feeling when you make it home going, yep. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it, it's a bizarre thing, but uh, I've had so many rides where you get back and you think, I was absolutely ruined halfway through that ride, but somehow I completed it. Um, yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't get that on an e-bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand, I understand. Um, so let's chat a little bit a little bit more in detail about the bikes. So what what fat bike are you riding at in the minute? I, I've, got, I've got one. It's a, it's a Chinese 
this brand it's called ICAN. um the the model is an sn04 and it's a it's a carbon full suspension fat bike um, um yeah I, I didn't get that for any other reason than my first fat bike was a completely rigid one um and actually i'll tell you what guys bikes are completely rigid framed fat bikes um so there's no suspension in the bike whatsoever um and the idea of those is that you know that effectively the bigger tire on the low psi is effectively giving you some suspension um mm -hmm. The second type is a hardtail, just like you think of a mountain bike. Um, you know, you've got some front forks. Some bikes come with front forks. Other ones, you can you can buy them afterwards and put your own front forks in. Um, and that just it just rides as a hardtail. Uh, and the third kind is a full suspension fat bike, which um, it, it isn't as common um, as the other categories, but there are still seven or eight you could buy. Um, so. So that's the one I've got. And it was mainly because my knees and my back were so bad. I just needed that little bit of suspension. Um, so so that's the one I've got. It weighs about 33 pounds, which for a bike with 4.6 tires um, and full suspension and a dropper post, I think it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, wow. Like, you see, that's the thing about these, these fat bikes now, because... Well, this is just my perspective, but I would think it's the same for most people that don't know much about them. When you think about hard uh, about fat bikes, you think about rigid frames, and you think they're relatively cheap. You know, it's something you buy off some of the big multinational chain store type things. You know, and they're pretty low standard as far as components yeah. and all go. But wow, so you get full suspension ones now with high component range stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got a SRAM group set. I've got my Shimano XT brakes, et cetera. Um, it, it's come on. I mean, it really, it's really right and proper to think of them as just another mountain bike. Um, you know, the way the way you'd, you'd look through a brochure of you've got your all mountain versus your trail versus your enduro. And a fat bike is literally the next part of that with forks and the rear the rear dropout is just to accommodate a broader tire i mean that's that's really the only difference um and like other bikes gareth you know you you can buy entry level ones which are, um are pretty serviceable uh, my first one was a was a, a a voodoo um wazoo fat bike um which was sold via halfords um mm -hmm. and i picked that up second hand i think the guy rode it once and then thought well, i don't like this and i got it for like 350 quid and I love that bike. There was no suspension. I just loved it. Mm -hmm. But my knees couldn't handle it. So you then go up to, all the way up to a carbon, you know, there's a guy, there's a brand in, in America called Lemire who make fat bikes. Um, you know, and you're up to three or four grand for a carbon fat bike, um, which is a lot of money. But I looked through the latest episode of one of the mountain bike mags and, you know, I think yeah there were seven or eight grand bikes in there and, oh, wow. and six grand e-bikes so i think i think the pricing's moved massively but they're they're there or thereabouts i think yeah yeah it's crazy like that there's a market out there obviously these brands don't make these bikes full carbon full suspension if there's not a market there for them i think they've done their their marketing and know their customer base well enough to before they produce these things at that price <laughs> there's going to be somebody that wants yeah, to buy them i think i think it's it's interesting that i 
I, I don't think the manufacturers have as much confidence in the fat bike sector as they should do um you know they're, they're not as quick about bringing out innovations etc um and i think it's because even at the the boardrooms of these or the development bits of these bigger companies um they still see them as a bit of a niche um which, which is fine you know but um i, I think I think it's going to continue to grow. There seems to be a bit of momentum now. And I think people are beginning to see a fat bike as just a different kind of mountain bike. It's not your winter bike. Um, and for, for all of that, I, I, I know I joked with you earlier about genuinely, you just get on a fat bike and you start smiling or laughing because it's hugely capable. I, I, I raced with a, against a mate of mine who's, who's on a cube um stereo hybrid e-bike and we had a race i couldn't comprehend that once a fat bike starts rolling and it behaves well and you can hit any line you like because the tire is going to take you over it mm-hmm. he was sort of you know he was sort of dumbfounded that he could actually get beaten down a down a trail <laughs> Classic. Bloody marvellous, mate. He's, he's been he's been he's been begging me for a rematch for about six months now but i'm i, I i'm gonna have to give in eventually <laughs> uh, so as far as you know you were saying there the, the the trail bike the enduro bike so as far as geometry and stuff go do they look at the fat bike the same these brands when they're building them did they make you know fat bikes for more xc for more trail for enduro bigger stuff is that yeah, the way they work it, as well it's really, it really very it's very similar um you know you get different bikes that have the slacker head angle i mean tra- traditionally is a full suspension fat bike you know that that is the, very much the minority but most of them are designed for um basically soaking up long journeys and they use them for bike packing because you can have a, a really sort of big stable frame um for bike packing um and of course if you're going across snow and it's not a groomed trail as they call it um then actually you want a light frame um with big tires the top so there really is the manufacturers apart from the frame having to accommodate the bigger tire i think are asking themselves pretty much the same questions um you're generally buying one with the same shram or samano group set um or hope brakes or you know so there's there really isn't as much of a difference as i think people might imagine Mm, yeah and like you can wheelie these things you can jump these things manual them all that kind just of stuff to be, just to be clear people can wheelie them i can't <laughs> 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 um i i take my i took mine to bike park wales i did the forest of dean i i'm not a very uh i'm not a very capable jumper i did my first i did actually my first ever video was was can i do my first gap jump at age 50 um and and building up to that but um i say you know i don't know whether you're familiar with afan um the trail center in wales or, or kum khan my lapier gets left in the garage and i take my fat bike and all the jumps the drops it just soaks them all up yeah wow Wow, it's interesting. It's interesting. So, what's the on, the on that thing? You know, I, yeah. you know, you really look at some of these re- riders. I don't know whether you must be familiar with a guy called Bernard Kerr, who's who's mm. a, a you know, <laughs> exceptionally capable um, mountain biker and pro. Um, he he lives not that far from me, and uh, he's done a couple of videos 
this recently where he, he got a fat bike and my god he'd been to bike park and jump parks with it and it's just it's just hilarious watching him throw this fat bike around and do tricks and uh tail whips and uh it's, it's absolutely bloody marvelous um you know so and, and you see him grinning ear to ear which is kind, kind of the point of them yeah yeah for sure man for sure tell us a little bit about the tire size the psi you know and does that affect handling did they handle different from you know a normal mountain bike i, I tell you yeah the one the one thing i think i got my first fat bike cheap because i think the guy who bought it jumped on it rode it and the tires were i'm not gonna say which ones they are because i can't remember the tires had this thing called self-steer which i've never heard of before what? and a, a cheaper a cheaper mountain bike tire that the tread on it was such um and i think they were stock tires and, and it was a budget bike and you know not, not gonna be too harsh but as you as you pedaled if slightly lent one way or the other the tire because it was sort of wasn't rounded off as it were the, the whole bike would steer left or right it was almost like you'd, you'd you got into a rut and basically the bike was just going that way whichever and and it was massively disconcerting and he thought wow. god i can't ride this bike that's terrible it's freaking me out um but i read on line someone saying oh get those tires off etc put on a decent set of tires and it it's never happened again so um you know so, so tire choice can be can be very and i think that may have put certain people off so have you ever you ever heard of self-steer before <laughs> no tire, i haven't i haven't but that certainly would have killed the whole fat bike thing if people were riding that for the first time <laughs> yeah well and again i suspect that's why i got the bike really cheap because he rode it for it for sod this rig and then sold it on, on Facebook. But um, I mean, generally, um, the debate is whether what's what's the minimum for it to be a fat bike? Some people say 3.8 inches. I, I personally, I think it's it's got a fit of four inch tire. Um, and generally, we're working within the major manufacturers, 12B Maxis. It's four, it's 4.4, 4.6, up to 4.8 tires. You do get ones that are five inch tires, but they're kind of more of a novelty. Um, so the, the most typical is a four to a 4.4 tire. Um, and then you adjust the PSI. And I've got to tell you, it's kind of a weird, if you come from mountain biking, traditionally, again, over the last five, 10 years, we've all taken PSI out of our tires because the new science is the, uh, has told us that actually rolling resistance is less if you've got you know a slightly lower PSI. Um, but when you first set your tap fat mic tire up and you and you get your gauge and you set it to nine psi, it's quite disconcerting because you think that can't be. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if you if you ride if you ride in the snow and sand or the, the snow a lot, you you get it down to three or four psi. Um, if I'm doing a trail centre in Wales, I generally ride my four point four point four tires out are at twelve psi. Wow. Um, yeah, with a bigger tire, big you would tire. think more PSA required. Hey, let's let's not get into that. I'm too thick to understand the science of it. But yeah, the big the bigger the tire, actually, the lower the PSI for it to feel um, feel tight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, and 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 everyone, depending on their weight, they then start tweaking the PSI to what feels right. Um, one of the guys I ride with, he likes it. He's got it set to 15 PSI, which would 
kind of the equivalent of a 38, 40 PSI on a on your mountain bike, um, whereas other guys ride it at seven or eight. Um, uh, it's it, it's personal choice, but you just get away with it. And of course, almost all of them are set up tubeless so that you can play around with the pressures uh, and, and you don't get that rolling resistance of a, of a massive tube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting, man. It's interesting. And then what about the the tire as far as the construction of it? You know, is it the same as normal mountain bikes? Can you get different kind of grip patterns, all that kind of thing? It's, 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 re- it's really very similar. Um, I say all, all the brands you kind of associate with the tires. Um, I've always been a fan of, of Schwalbe. Is it that how, how you pronounce mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And, 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 and that, and Max's tyres because I've always, always found them to get onto the rim easier when you're setting up tubeless. And they each, I mean, the um, the, the Jumbo Gym, <laughs> great names in tyres, um, <laughs> is, is an incredibly fast rolling, um, um, you know, summer tyre with a summer tyre tread pattern. That's incredibly quick up to some of the others. If you think Maxis, so Maxis Minion, is a pretty well-known tire brand and and model mm-hmm. for most mountain biking. Well, I've got Maxxis Minions on my fat bike. They're 4.0s, but it's the same tread pattern. It's the same, you know. They they really do behave in the same way. Um, the only the only thing that, ironically, the, the the worst possible terrain for a fat bike, in my humble opinion, is is when it's just muddy because when it's just muddy, there's a lot more tire to slide an aquaplane sideways. Um, right. So great in the snow and the sand and general riding conditions. When it's super muddy, it's a bit like being on ice. You just slide sideways. Yeah. Well, again, isn't that funny? Because you would think with the larger contact that you would have more grip. Yeah. Again, it's a strange thing. If it's properly muddy... Um, the thing is, I went out with a couple of guys uh, to ride in Shropshire. I got invited to ride with them, and they were—it's the, it's the muddiest downhill trails I've ever, I've ever known. And their 2.2-ish tires were cutting through the mud, mm. so they cut through the, the top level of the mud and found the hard ground underneath effectively. Whereas the fat bike tire never cut through the mud. And when you're on a single track where it's only six foot wide. Um, you know, the, the margin for where you can cut through to find solid ground is so small that actually it's just a fat bike tire can't do it. <laughs> Did you convince those all, guys to buy fat over, bikes? I was, I was ridiculous. I was over the handlebar. I was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, nuts, man. Nuts. So tell us, Richard, about some of the brands. Like, is there any leading brands in the fat bike scene that we kind of wouldn't really know in the mountain bike side of things? Uh, yeah, I mean, th- there are. And I'll tell you what, I've got to put out, there's, there's a you know, UK brand called Smokestone Bikes. Um, and this is a guy I've got to know um, called Graham. He's in Gloucestershire. And he and he builds, he designs and builds these fat bikes. Um, and they're just, they're just works of art. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, and I think the, the other thing, so you've got specialists like Graham at, at Smokestone. Um, the other thing that surprises people is, you know, some of the bigger names that 
specialized um have a bike called a fat boy incredibly incredibly sort of wonderful bike a rigid frame trek have their trek have three or four different fat bikes right really wow um cannondale you know you, you wouldn't think of these brands um having having that in their in their armory but of course they all do and and then you've got some of the other ones that are you you'd never have heard of if you weren't in the fat bike world um you know you've you've got some that i just think mongoose or uh i'm trying to i'm trying to think of that. rocky mountain um framed lemire caliber kona um felt you know all, all these are there i found 41 different brands last night when i was having a flick through of, of bikes so it really is quite um it, it's quite competitive and and just like a mountain bike you know you can spend three or four hundred quid or you can spend three or four grand mm. um and you, you know there, there is that range of bikes it's not it's not a pretty small it's not a smaller market as i think people would imagine mm. Well, if big brands like Rocky Mountain, you know, are doing them and things like that, you know, they're they're bound to be a market there for them. There, there is, and I think I think still in the in the US and Canada, um, there's still a, um, you know, you, people I follow on Instagram, right? Oh, it's you know the first sign of snow. Let's get the winter fat bike out, um, and I think that's just ingrained in them because it's the only bike you get away with riding. Um, but I think for a lot of the other brands, and certainly in the UK, it's just all year round you could ride one. Um, yeah. You know, you're not fundamentally. All the people who used to ride have 2.2 tyres who are now got 2.8s on their whatever it might be, their, their, their Trek Ready downhill bike or Santa Cruz or whatever else. You know, it's not that big a leap up to having slight slightly bigger tires <laughs> mm, yeah you know funny just you mentioning canada and the u.s there that's actually sparked my memory i actually was on one in america but just around a car park we were over snowboarding in utah and oh, fantastic yeah we called into one of the local stores um and they had just got a range of fat bikes and because it was the first time i had ever seen one and I wasn't massively into mountain biking at this at this stage, um, but I remember seeing one and the big double headlights on them. No, they were real cool looking. And the guy says, "That's take one of those. That one's going into the higher fleet. Take one of those out." And but they actually, I was chatting to them. They actually were holding fat bike races there. That's why they had got that full that full range. And they were they were holding a big fat bike race in the snow about three or four weeks later after we left crazy oh they they they, they really embrace them yeah yeah nuts i remember just I mean, writing that thing up a curb i think that's the distinction I think that's the difference between the u.s and canada um and i've got to say you know since, since sort of um you know starting on youtube etc the the conversation i'm having with people all around the world you know whether it's um, you know sort of Finland, Norway, etc., or or Croatia, you know, um, it's there are there are so many so many different places that run them. But in the in the UK, I did an event a couple of or a year or so ago, and there was a fat bike category, but it was in a more event. Um, mm. Whereas I think in the US and Canada, when you've got that beautiful snow, you can have a 
a dedicated fat biking event. Um, I, d I don't think you'd do it in the UK. Possibly it might in Scotland if you get sort of fairly regular snow. But um, um, they, they, they love it over there because, I mean, it's not that it's the preferred bike if it's snowing. It's the only bike you could ride that would actually get you from A to B. Yeah, yeah. I can just imagine snowboarding down a slope and seeing some doing a fat bike coming. That would be scary and hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I tell, tell you what, once uh, honestly, uh, we've we've got to we've got to when when this madness is over, um, we'll, we'll we'll hook up, we'll go for go for a ride because once they start rolling, they just they just it, it's uh, amazing the speed you can get. <laughs> yeah, scary. Well, you would need good brakes on them then if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, well, well, again, I'm you know you, you increase the size of the rotors. In that regard, it really is a case of. All the bits and pieces I buy or swap around between bikes, etc. None of them are fat bike specific, apart from you know the hub, etc. Uh -huh. And the forks have to have to be able to fit. You know there are there are basically four main uh, mountain bike forks um, that that you can buy of um, manufacturers, etc. But outside of that, every other component is a SRAM or Shimano or a Hope or Mm. Or, you know, so, so you, you're not sort of entering it. You're not going into a different bike shop. You're still going into your local bike shop to get your XT brake pads or or, or a new cassette for your, for for your for your for your bike. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what what brand are the forks? Do forks do them in Rockshock? And yeah, there, there's um there, there's there's um. Um, Manitou Mastodon. There's Ren who do um the upside down forks like you'd have on a mm. on a dirt bike. Mm -hmm. um and and you've got rock shop bluto which is a which is one of the one of the four and there's also a brand if no one's sort of seen them, they're called lauf l-a-u-f who who make forks that look as if they're rigid um, i'm going to use all the wrong words but have the tensioning uh, sort of bands at the bottom of them uh, right wow. um and you know ju just you know, visually they're, they're incredible they, they don't give you as much travel as a, as a proper sort of air shock except but um they they are sort of works of art when you see one going past on a fat bike so it's big names you know it's proper um it's proper mm -hmm. sort of manufacturers in that sector yeah and i take it the rear suspension is just the same yeah absolutely um I, i've got a, a fox float on the back of mine um it, it, it's far more said it's far more unusual to have a, a full suspension fat bike um but they're just set up what is it mine's a mine's a 200 eye to eye and um one travels um you, you've got you know, any shock that's that's 200 mil eye to eye on my particular bike will fit in there Mm -hmm. yeah wow it's interesting man it's interesting right well we'll get your opinion a little bit later on why somebody should buy one of these things though you've probably told us why already <laughs> <laughs> but let's chat a little bit about your youtube channel because you start a youtube channel off the back of the fat bike thing is that right am i getting that correct well yeah yeah i mean i, I set up a, a general one i mean i was you know just before the lockdown started um i was videoing stuff and actually i just i just kind of enjoyed the process of 
if truth be told, of, of videoing and then and then editing and putting something together, um, and and just sort of did it for my own amusement. And then I I called I called the channel dicking about because you know as a mate of mine said you're always dicking about with something and um so and i thought i thought it, it, it gave me a certain breadth of you know it, it wasn't pigeonholing me in one way but um i then realized that most of my videos were about riding and most of my videos were about fat bikes um so i started you know taking it a bit more seriously yeah no it's cool because it's not when you know when the old algorithms works and YouTube and everything, and then all of a sudden you're seeing stuff that you're interested in and everything else. But because you're only collecting on mountain bikes, you would never even know there's a whole kind of category of guys and a whole list of guys doing YouTube stuff on fat bikes. Um, That's why I always secretly put mountain bike hashtags hidden in my videos to try and lure people away. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, man. That's a good idea. Like, <laughs> Is this your full-time gig at the minute, Richard, or are you still involved in marketing and stuff like do, that? Do you know what? It's it's, it's not. And, and if we have this conversation a year ago, I'd I sort of laugh and say, don't be so silly. But um, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I'll tell you one thing about, about um, starting a YouTube channel. It's hugely rewarding. It's a massive learning curve. And it is 10 times the volume of work people think it is. Mm. The the hours to... And it, Filming, filming the ride you've just done and editing it is is twenty percent of of the effort you're going to put in in terms of um, uploading it, getting hashtags, getting it in the right place, creating thumbnails that will attract people, all the other bits and pieces. Um, so I, I always kind of did it for fun, but this month, hopefully, uh, or if things go on, I'm going to be monetized by YouTube, and that's when you hit a certain amount of watch hours and subscribers. Um, uh, and I'm now, for the first time, Gareth, as, as ridiculous as it sounds to me, and, and probably should to you, um, over 2021, this this could be it. This could be my my full time job, which is just blowing. Um, which is, you know, <laughs> if, if, if it works out that way, I, I just I couldn't be happier. Yeah, yeah. Like I must say, your your channel is very striking. Like visually, it's very different. It, it does look quite different, and your thumbnails and all are very visually very very good, and certainly entice you to to hit play. Um, do you think because your background's in PR and marketing, um, do you think that helped you do all that thing with the YouTube it, it did, stuff? Do you know what it did. It, it definitely did. But I but I gotta say, um, as a yeah how to make this sound like I'm not as a professional marketeer for 20 years YouTube is weird as hell it is mm. it doesn't it just doesn't make sense in so many ways um things like you know the market is completely saturated there are a thousand guys doing what I do but it doesn't matter YouTube doesn't care um you know it, 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 I, I didn't start a channel for ages because I thought well that guy's a better rider than me his channel's going to be better than mine it doesn't matter. It's a bit like you don't watch one TV, you know, after Only Fools and Horses, they didn't stop making comedies because they, they <laughs> nailed it, you know. Yeah. You know, and it's the same principle. No one goes onto YouTube and watches one video, you know. You watch one, then you watch another. Um, and, and getting my head around the fact that also someone with another channel um, and, and anyone out there who's got a, got a channel, you've got to get your head around this. Someone who has a channel exactly the same as you isn't your competitor, because if you've got a thousand subscribers and they've got a thousand subscribers and you work with them or do a video, you say, hey, let's hook up. 
4,000 subscribers might join them and theirs might join you. You both end up with 2,000 subscribers. You don't you don't unsubscribe from one channel to subscribe to another one. So, so it's a bizarre market where collaboration is king. Everybody should be working together and supporting each other, you know, because everybody grows. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And you as the consumer who's looking at video has lots more content. So it, it's kind of um, I, I learned as I, I went along. Um, I'm learning every single day. Um, every week I watch a video, one of these videos that pop up as how to make your channel better, how to get more subscribers. Because, again, in any other market, people don't give away their trade secrets. But in YouTube, YouTube want that guy to have as many people watching a video about how to do make more videos mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. all youtube yeah. care about is more, more and more content and more and more and more people you know watching it um you know youtube's the second biggest search engine in the world yeah just just second to google and, and most of the time if you google something the, the first response if it's if it's a how-to or, or what does something look like the first results will be a youtube video um so it, it's it's a fascinating market yeah, certainly is. You know, it's amazing. I actually, over the last 18 months or something, caught on to something and I thought, oh, I'm on to something here. If I was wanting to find out how to do something or more information, instead of just Googling it, I would actually go onto YouTube and put the yeah. same question into the YouTube search bar because you then got a video about it, which was a lot easier to follow. Uh, there's almost nothing. Uh, I can't leave anything I do around the house where as a DIY or, or the most basic thing where I don't just jump to YouTube and watch someone, you know, I, I didn't need thermostat on the heater at my mum's house. So it was a 30 second video of how to set it or that exact model. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but that's how people are doing it. People are learning visually and, and yeah. want to be shown visually. Yeah. Crazy. Now tell us you, your, your channels. I love the way you kind of separate your channel into different kind of mini series is almost, if that's the right term, you know, you have the fat bike show, which is news about fat bikes. You have the smaller MTB channels show, you have product reviews, skills, tips, all that kind of stuff. Tell us how you thought about that and why you went down that route rather than just making videos of you out riding your fat bike every other week, you know? <laughs> um again it, it's one of those things where I, I watched hours and hours of experts saying how you should set up your channel if someone likes one video they're probably going to want to watch a similar style so why not group them together in what's called playlists and because i was doing some some very different things um i wanted if someone enjoyed a one episode of the fat bike show i wanted to make it easy for them to find the next one um the, the smaller the smaller mountain bike the playlist i've got called smaller mountain bike challenge you should check out I, i'm really proud of that and i and i i absolutely love making it because i realized that like me there are a lot of channels that have got um sorry unlike me you know really good content but actually when you're just searching you just put mtb into youtube they're probably a long way down because well they're new and they haven't grown yet mm -hmm. so i started doing this thing where i'd find four channels that i'd spend you know hours just going through content and, and come across four channels and think this is really good but you'd never really find it and then just started putting together these little five minute shows where i would say to someone hey look these are four mountain bike channels i think you should really go and check out because they're great and these were all around the world um 
and I've made lots of friends. If, if COVID ever ends, I, I've got invites to go and ride all around the world and, and made some great, great friends. But it was the fact that actually every channel I looked at, I learned something from it. So someone would have would, would group their videos in a certain way or someone would use color composition in a certain way. Um, and, and I would just unashamedly steal it right from under them and go, oh, I should be doing it that way. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's easy if it's a big mismatch of different shows, if someone's particularly interested in fat bikes, um, you don't want to throw up content that they might not be as interested in so mm-hmm. it's just a really a way of arranging it so people can find the stuff they're interested yeah no it works really well i do like it. i did watch um i did watch your smaller youtube channel ones yeah very very good like and i, I like the way you do it. it it's very cool and i'm sure those guys get in contact with you afterwards and all so it does build a community and it shares value yeah, you're giving you know value it really, and it really does go really Going back to, uh, for, for most of them, I have to sort of scream at them, like, just, just hit share. P- people, yeah, I just said to you before, it's a weird market. You know, share a rival's channel. It's a bit like going into a shop. If you've got a local shop and they don't have what you want, but if the guy says, I'm sorry, we haven't got what you want, you go, oh, all right. If they say, but our rival down the road might have it. Yeah. You've immediately got a warm, fluffy feeling that that guy, even if he might be pushing you away to a rival, has done something nice for you. Most people then go back to or think more favorably about that first shoppers. Hey, this guy's so good. If he hasn't got what I want, he'll push me in the right direction. Um, and, and working with some of these other channels, uh, um, I think I think one of the things I love, and it sounds a, it sounds a bit twee, but after reviewing all these channels from all around the world, different guys on different bikes. Um, we're all the bloody same. Um, you know, we're, we're mm. just out riding our bikes, having a laugh. There, are, there are seem to be, um, I, I sound a bit pious now, there seem to be so many things through the media or everything that just try and tell us constantly how different we are to each other or, or why we shouldn't like this or shouldn't like that. And, you know, if you, if you go on a broad range of mountain bike channels, you've got guys piling down a hill in Alaska or follow this guy riding some trails in New Zealand um, or a guy cruising around the Indians. They're all just riding their bikes and having a laugh. Um, and it's kind of good for the soul to, to realise that we're not that different after. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. We all have our own individual tweaks, and I think that's why a lot of channels yeah. work. You know, uh, but because everybody brings something slightly different. But yeah, certainly the main value, the the core aspect of it, is getting out on your bike and having fun with friends, right? That, that that's, that's exactly it. I mean, and I think you know, you, you talked earlier about why you buy a fat bike. I, I think in some ways, um, when when I jump on the fat bike, it reminds me why I started mountain biking. Um, no, no one, no one picked up a mountain bike because it was in a book somewhere as the best cardiovascular resistance training. No one, no one bought their first mountain bike because they'd heard about Strava segments and wanted to be faster than someone they'll never meet. <laughs> they bought a mountain bike, you know, you know. And I've got no problem, with it, but it's like you bought a mountain bike because you jumped on it, you went out with your mates. Had a right laugh. If someone went over the handlebars, you roared your head off, you know, once, and then worked out whether they were broken or not. But, you know, and I think the fat bike kind of 
was a renaissance when I jumped on it back to oh, just jump on your bike and have a giggle. Um, you know, pe- people spend hours on forums and Facebook groups debating the relative merits of a group set or whether a four pot brake with a 203 rotor is, oh, my God, I can't believe you're still using a 160 rotor with it. Like, oh, my God, just ride it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. You know, I have this conversation with a lot of people and. Um, it's about tire size, right? It's about wheel yeah. size, 27.5 or 29. And like, yeah. you know, okay, I understand the merits of both sizes, certainly. But for the majority of people like me, who basically is a weekend warrior, right? I'm not yeah. race, I'm not winning races. I'm not doing any of that. It's all for enjoyment. You put the you put the average weekend warrior on a bike with a blindfold. Now, you obviously, send them somewhere they know where they're going, and you ask yeah. them what size the wheels on the bike. They couldn't tell you. Uh, hundred percent, mate. It's a bit like I, I bought a new wheel set, uh, and, you, and 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 there were like two or three comments. Well, trouble with those wheel set. It's it's a really stiff wheel set, <laughs> and I, I, I genuinely I laughed out loud when I read it because I thought. Oh my God, I am not good enough to know whether the wheels feel stiffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because chatting to a couple of guys I've had on the podcast who design bikes, you know, um, and I was chatting to them about pros and things like that and, and what the pros give back. And even at that level, you know, these guys that design bikes and are wanting feedback from the riders, from the professional riders, even the guys at that level, you know, the guys that are designing the bikes are saying it's actually quite difficult to get a rider to give you good feedback, you know, and to actually know what the bike's doing in different conditions and different settings at that very, very high level. I mean, equally, don't get me wrong. I, I love the fact that people are passionate about every minute detail of their bike. It's wonderful. It means they're completely bought into it. It means they're they're passionate about their hobby, which is which, yeah. which is great. But um, you know, it's not like a Formula One car where you've got the same bit of tarmac, whatever else. Um, you know, if a downhill biker, a pro rider, you know, swap tires over, you still don't know whether he the second time with those tires he hit the corner of that rut that he just missed the first time. Mm. So the bike might feel a bit dodgy because he, he sort of got a bit side stripe on a tree route that he just didn't hit first time. So, you know, you can't always have like for like. But um, if if, pe- if people like getting you know bogged down in the minutiae, then fair play to them. But I, I do I do have a standard response if someone sort of says, oh, you know, my, my first my first question tends to be, wow, you you, you really know what you're, what you're talking about, which which um, which team do you race for? <laughs> Because yeah. that, that, that shuts down 99.99% of anyone who, who's giving it the big. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. your stuff. Hey, what team do you race for? And they go, oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm just out with my mates at the bike park at the weekend. <laughs> aye, aye. But, you know, what I love about it, and I think this is quite important, it's like you say, people get into it in fine detail. But that's what pushes the advancement forward. And at the end of the day, if we're getting better products and somebody's feeling more confident on their bike and, you know, they can push that little bit harder, I'm all on for it 100%, oh, without, 100%. without doubt. I mean, I mean, God, look at, I, I was watching a, a video of there was a, a downhill run from, I don't know, it was probably 15, 20 years ago. 
um, and the bike, the, the, the narrow 2.2 or 2.1 tyres on, on, on a frame that looks as if it's going to just crumble on the impact. And he thought these guys were flying down. The technology now is wonderful. Um, and, and it's great. And, and, and you're right. And the, and the pro riders having the big bikes, it then, like many other hobbies, it then filters down to to, to us weekend warriors. Um, but so much of it is psychological um, that if you've got a new part for your bike, um, you just feel better going out and riding it. I, I change things all the time on my bike for no practical reason whatsoever, apart from it's new or different or a different color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've got about sure, fifty man. different handlebar grips in, in, a, in a in a tray in the garage, just for depending on what colour I'm feeling like that week. <laughs> classic, classic. Um, you no, know the fastest, by the way. <laughs> yellow, yeah. It's funny. You know the fastest handlebar. Grip. Aye, it's, it's funny. The colour I have at the minute. Weird. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, just tell us quickly before we wrap this up. I'll let you go. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Fat Bike Club community in Canada. Yeah, well, those guys, there's a guy there called Sylvian, and he, he when I did some of the fat bike videos, he, he got in touch with me. Um, I was going to use that horrible comment, he reached out, but just sounds like someone shouldn't be allowed near children. But, um, <laughs> you know, so he got, in, he got in contact and said, hey, I like your riding. I've got this fat bike club. Uh, it's called the Fat Bike Club. It's a community selling products, sharing videos, etc. That was growing and growing. You know, it's a big deal. They got you know forty thousand Instagram followers. It's uh, their YouTube channel, which is a mix of different things. You know, had a million views last month, etc. And he said, um, "Hey, what about putting all your fat bike riding into into you know? Could you give me something once every couple of weeks?" And so I said, well, I could just do a show just about fat bikes. Mm. And he said, brilliant, we'll sponsor it, um, give you publicity and whatever else. So um, I, I sort of put the phone down to him. I thought, God, I've got to make this thing now. Um, and and it, it's really I just unashamedly, desperately trying to copy the Top Gear format, but about bikes with two fewer presenters and a bit rubbish. Um, you know? <laughs> so it's just a show about you know a, a challenge i do where i've ridden um part of part of it is sort of tongue-in-cheek you know um you can ride a fat bike anywhere it doesn't have to be a winter bike and a lot of it's just trying to have a bit of a giggle and it's a bit of an escape from reality um so that's really taken off um and i say i get to i get cameos from people all around the world um there's uh, I, some of the YouTube channels are featured. Um, great. There's, there's a guy called Jens in, in America. He's got a channel called Old Man Fat Bike. Um, and he's just the most chilled out guy just mooching around on his fat bike. And it, it, it's wonderful because it's really quite endearing. And you just watch him, you know, going around his fat bike. He's not trying to do a trick or do a jump. Um, and and so, so this guy sort of said, I'll oh, put this show together. So now I'm, I'm seven episodes in. Um and and absolutely love making it. it it's bloody hard work but it's it's really really good fun yeah cool man cool but you've got plenty going on there you've plenty plenty of great contact people should definitely go and check out now just before we go if somebody's thinking of going down the fat bike route what should they be kind of looking at when they're buying their first bike and, and what kind of money do you think they should be spending 
Jill, I've, I've just done this. Uh, I'm sorry, this is going to sound really sort of set up and promotion. In in the in the very last episode, episode six of the Fat Bike Show, I basically got a ten minute segment on on what you should consider when you're buying a fat bike um uh, finances first um obviously with any mountain bike you work out your budget and then you exceed it um, um <laughs> as we said earlier <laughs> don't you don't have to spend a huge money so so finance is one thing be realistic um you know if you've got 500 spend 500 you know you don't have to spend a lot of money um to you know, think of it in the same Where's a mountain bike? So, so finance is one. Your activity is the second one. Um, and by activity, I mean, is are you going to um, do jumps and drops, bike parks, you know, that sort of thing? Are you looking at longer journeys? Um, you could even commute on it, etc. So, so the activity will kind of dictate whether you choose between the rigid, the hardtail, and the full suspension. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so, you've got your finance roughly what you want to spend. What activity? Actually, I want to ride with my mates um, through the woods and go to a trail centre every now and again. So you need a bike. So that would typically you'd be thinking maybe a hardtail, maybe having an element of suspension. Um, if you're going cruising because you're going to get it out in the winter and go through the snow, you might just have a rigid frame because it's lightweight. Um, and so that's that's the finance, that's the activity. And the third one is the terrain, which rather geniusly spells out fat finance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah this, this ain't my first rodeo gareth so uh, you know so and the, ter- the terrain um, will, will again dictate suspension um you know if you're gonna be hitting drops some of the guys i see in, in new zealand and a couple of guys in canada um or certainly bits of america probably where you are um where we said you rode really rocky you know if i was riding in spain like i did last year you know that will determine in the kind of components you need and whether you need suspension so view it very much work way backwards from where am i going to ride it um and i think being realistic you know if you go to a bike park once a year but most of the time it's single track woody forest near your home that you know that's the riding you want to buy the bike for um Mm -hmm. but i really genuinely would just buy it as if you were buying a, a mountain bike that happens to have fatter tires yeah um you know you know approach it like that yeah is it something you would say you know budget obviously allowing that it's something we should all have in our garages it's it's difficult i mean everything um let's make a bold statement every single thing we own we can't is a compromise in one form or another um, the car you drive, I have no idea what car you drive, but I guarantee it's a compromise. I guarantee um, it's it's if you've got a truck, you're compromising on speed. If you've got a, you know, <laughs> if, if you've got a, a small sports car, you're compromising on space to carry a bike around. And, you know, um, the bigger engine, you're compromising on economy. So so mm-hmm. there's there's no perfect bike, um, which is why most of us have two or three in the garage. Um, but. The one thing, so there's a reason why my four and a half grand Lapier is collecting dust, is I just prefer riding the fat bike. <laughs> mm, and, yeah. and, it, and it's really no more complicated than that. Um, and I think if people can, you know, have a go on one, you know, if you see someone riding one, get, you know, have, have a go or hire one or whatever else. Um, it's not for everybody um, because you'll get on and go, what the, what's the hype about? If you've just spent seven grand on your um you know, santa cruz 
and you're hitting 30 foot road gaps whatever you know a fat bike's not not for you but if you're out with your mates and you're doing trail centers or single track why the hell not i guarantee i guarantee you'll smile more it's it's just ludicrous fun (laughs) yeah 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 i know what you're saying because i don't think compromising you know i don't think i could fit a fat bike in the back of the ferrari that's the only thing I tell you, it does bring up the bit where if you you, you suddenly then realise, I tell you, when, when you get a fat, you then realise that all the hangers in your garage and your bike rack don't bloody fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just something else to buy into. <laughs> well, can't, you, can't you take one of your Range Rovers or, or you know? Aye, <laughs> well, I don't know. So I'm, nowadays I just like getting left to the top of the trail centre in the helicopter, so I normally go that way. <laughs> yeah, I... I <laughs> I knew you were a man of means. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, now, you said you've travelled a little bit there. Is that so, is a fat bike something you could hire? Like, could you go to the likes of Morzine and find somewhere that hires fat bikes? I, I don't I don't think you could. I think because, I mean, I've been to Morzine a few times. Um, yeah, uh, even the full-sus um, fat bike only has 120 mil of travel. Right, um, okay, okay. So, you know, tr- truth be told... If there was a fat bike that had 150 mil of travel, I'd buy it tomorrow. Um, but, you know, again, back to the compromise. To get the most out of somewhere like Morzine, which is just glorious trails and, and a beautiful town, etc. You know, the the 650B, 160 mil higher bikes they've got there are perfect for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think... Uh, the other thing with what people, yeah, everyone, everyone who owns a relatively fast car, you know, ninety nine percent people don't don't you know, drive the car to its capability. Um, you know, the, most people cruising around the Surrey Hills, um, where I ride a lot, on a seven grand bike with one hundred seventy mil of travel, never hit more than a six foot. You know, that mm-hmm. bike can yeah. handle a fifty foot. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. and they never hit more than a jump. But that's okay. That's what they feel comfortable on. That's what they, they have fun on. Um, and, and I think it, fat bikes will become more popular just because over time, I think more will be seen. Um, and you can get into the sport. You can get you can get all the all the gear, the Shimano, the high end sort of components on a slightly cheaper. You know, the end product will be slightly cheaper than, than an equivalent mountain bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I must get. You know, I would love to try one just to see what it's like around the trails. Um, it would be I, very, very I, interesting. I, I, I say it's, it's, if, if you've got a basic trail, I mean, I, I, you know, trail centres, for anyone listening who's, you know, who's done the uh, Afan, you've got sections in Afan that's just wet rock to wet rock, etc. Krum Khan has a beautiful, uh, there's a, a new trail, the Kafel Trail in, in Krum Khan. I did a video on that. Um Big old climb up, which the fat bike handled, and then it just absorbed all this wonderful sort of 20-minute trail down. Um, and, and it really is just as planted there as it is anywhere else. Um, I, I think it's a numbers game. The reality is if you were an Afan bike park in Wales and your business was hiring out bikes, it's a lot easier to buy 10 all-mountain bikes and hire them out than mm-hmm. two, two fat bikes and eight all-mountain yeah i think that's the reality the commercial reality but um it's um it's one of those things where you know there's a reason why out of the eight guys i ride with 
after six, seven, eight months of them seeing me on my fat bike and having a bit of a play, they now bought one as their pretty much everyday bike because it does everything their full suspension or their cross-country bikes were doing. But it's somehow just a bit more fun and a bit more ridiculous. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of what fat biking is. It, it's it's a you're doing everything. but You've just got a slightly bigger grin on your face. Yeah. Yeah, man. It sounds good. Like it sounds good. And I get slagged. I use these. I'm a flat pedals guy and I use these big, big flat pedals called yeah. uh, pedaling innovations, catalyst pedal. And uh, they're a lot bigger than your normal pedal. And I get slagged a lot from using these things, but they're good. They're a good, good pedal. If, if, it works, if it works for you, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. no one knows what it feels like. You're, you're the only one who knows how it feels. Yeah, but uh, I'm sure if I arrived to some of the trail parks or a group of guys and I popped a, a fat bike out of the car. I, I t- I, do, you know, do you know what, Gav? I mean, I, I, said, I said to you before, if you're riding around the trails, walkers or, or horse riders, um, it's hilarious because um, not only does it start a conversation, and, and it, re- it genuinely does, it always starts... A nice conversation. Um, you know, I, I go to trail centers. People see me getting the fat bike out of the out, out of the tire. There's their, their instant thing isn't that guy's a poser. It isn't. Oh, look at look at that guy. You know, it, it's wow. Look at that bike. Bloody hell, are you about to do these trails on that? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a chat about it. it it's there's something nice about a fat bike it seems to bring out the best in people mm. um even if they look at you with that sort of slight pitying like bloody hell mate you ain't getting up that hill or you aren't getting down that hill um it, it's it's a nice interest as opposed to a um uh, anything else which which i kind of like yeah yeah cool like it's one thing and it's kind of like an e-bike in a way you know when you take it out of the car, everybody will be like, what have you brought the day? What? Are you crazy? But I can assure you, those three or four mates will each want to go on that thing by the end of the day. And when, even if they love the idea of it or not, like a lot of pe- people with e-bikes, when they get off, they'll probably have a smile on their face. Yeah, that, 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 that's it. And, and I think it's it's one of those things. We, we like being, yeah, people don't generally like like change they they've made a decision um um to, to be honest you said you said about the e-bike i've never my, my mate every single time go and have a go on my e-bike and i've never taken him up on it because um which may sound ridiculous because i don't want to in case i like it <laughs> yeah yeah you'll like it uh, you know i'm thinking you know i i ride with it with a the six-year-old who's jumping off stuff and is fit as a butcher's dog and a 70 year old who's still on a hill climb will put most people to shame we, we had a we had a glorious moment uh, a couple of months ago where there's a pretty steep yeah, pretty wide climb up in surrey hills and and there were a group of guys there on these sort of big downhill bikes and they were they were they were pushing their bikes up this hill um and uh my mate who's 70 went past and i was just behind just just pedaling up the hill having a chat with him and i turned to one of these boys and said come on mate this guy's 70 <laughs> it, was, it was a lo- it was a lovely moment and there was a, there was not an e-bike in sight but um it's uh it, it's just what you enjoy riding um e-bikes are wonderful bits of kit um and i'm pretty sure i'll end up with one in the end but um for the time being uh, it's a fat bike that puts a smile on my face 
Excellent, mate. Excellent. Well, listen, Richard, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really did enjoy our chat about the fat bike thing and all. And your channel is really nice, and I would advise people to go and check it out. Even if they're into fat bikes or not, you may change their mind on there too. But um, it's been great to have a chat with you. And you've uh, certainly... Yeah, cool. And I don't know if you've convinced me to buy one yet, but I certainly will try one the next time I see one, for definite. Hey, look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, mate. As soon as, soon as uh, this this COVID thing is is behind us, um, um, which fingers crossed will be relatively soon, I, I'm coming over, mate. I, 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 my brother-in-law's in Northern Ireland. I'm coming over. I'm bringing two fat bikes, and we we're gonna have a go. So, uh, <laughs> Classic hey, oh, the ones apart from apart from supporting me, you know, I, I'd love people to visit the channel. But but please have a look at the the bits about smaller channels. Um, I, I just love putting people in touch with other channels not mine that have really good content that deserve a wider audience so if you're gonna if you're gonna sort of watch watch one of the the videos or things check out that because it, there's some great channels you won't come across that that i've, I've stumbled across and, I, and i'd love to share the love and, and, and promote them yeah cool man cool well listen thanks so much Richard and I say your channel's a bit of fresh air on YouTube for sure and uh, there's great content on there so congratulations me I hope all the best for 2021 with that and you can make it into your full time gig that would be something special Um, so good luck with that and good luck in the near future All right. thank you so much Gareth I've really enjoyed thanks so much for having me on I really appreciate it That's a wrap for episode 176. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. It was something a little bit different. And I know for me personally, you know, the fat bike thing seemed a bit of a fad. It does seem to be coming back a little more. I have noticed a couple more out in the trails and stuff. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I hope you've taken something from it and you've learned now when you see somebody in a fat bike, maybe they haven't bought it because it's just cool looking. You know, maybe there's more behind it. Maybe they know something we don't. So I would advise you to go to Richard's YouTube channel, check it all out there. You'll get loads of good information on there. And if you want quick links to his channel and his socials, the bike he rides, other things we chat about on the podcast there, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtb-tribe.com. You can download the episode from there and get quick and easy access to all the links and hit up Richard from there also. Now, Richard, I just want to say a big thank you to you for coming on the podcast because it was great to chat to you. It was great to learn more about fat bikes. And as soon as you get over to Northern Ireland here, let's hook up, man. Let's get out on those fat bikes. I'd love to take one out around some of the local trails here and also, obviously, show you around the place. So let's hope that happens very soon. But in the meantime, have a great 2021, mate, and I hope things go well for you. Now, if you're enjoying the show and you want to show your support, the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, don't worry. You can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your podcasts from. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. You can also find us on social media at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Reach out, get in contact, or if you prefer the old-fashioned email way, you'll find me at info at mtb-tribe.com. 
So thanks so much for being here this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as I say, keep your ear open for the part three of the Chain Reaction one with Hannah. It'll be a great episode. I am really looking forward to recording and getting her back on the podcast. So until next week, as always, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked.